Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. And by Short and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We hear a lot these days about how we're all living in our own bubble. As more of us create our own TV channels with Netflix and our own radio stations with Spotify and get our news from personalized social media feeds, we no longer have this kind of shared experience that we used to have, where we would laugh about last night's Seinfeld or agree how lame or not the new Britney Spears song was. If you're a TV channel, a radio station, or a record company, you've found new ways to adapt your product, now called content, to the new delivery system. However, changing the way you deliver content is not quite so simple if your medium is print. You can have an online magazine or online newspaper, but it's not the same thing. One is made of paper and one isn't. How to navigate these paper and digital demands, how to hold on to readers, and how to stay in business in the environment is, is the sort of stuff that James Flaxner spends his day figuring out. James is Vice President of News for Gulf Coast for Gannett, Louisiana, and the Executive Editor of the Daily Advertiser, all of which is part of the USA Today Network. Flax, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you very much. Not all print is created equal. While people seem happy to get their news online instead of in paper form, there's no really digital equivalent of the glossy magazine. The feel, pictorial beauty and the sense of luxury is hard to replicate online. But instead of that being a negative, it seems that the unique, incomparable nature of magazines is keeping them thriving. C.V. Zeller is publisher and editor of a local Acadiana 337 magazine and the co-owner of 337 Media. C.V., welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you very much. Flax. No less an authority than the President of the United States comments pretty regularly about the precarious state of printed news. We hear him referring to the failing New York Times. He called journalists the enemy of the people. And of course, there are the repeated references to fake news. Whether or not anyone takes these comments any more seriously than any other politician's pronouncements, they do raise an interesting point that's long been a mantra in the media, and that is there's no such thing as bad publicity. In this era, when newspapers are fighting to retain readership and to reinvent themselves, is it perhaps helpful to have the precarious nature of the medium itself as the subject of new news coverage? I think you have to segregate the national media from local media, like the papers that I am responsible for. Our goal is to leave each place better than we found it and do the greater good and be a community-centric organization. The hijinks and mayhem that you find on the national level are really a different dynamic and there are several things supporting that. One is um, the weaponization of information. One is that uh, elected officials or the ruling class know that if they set us against ourselves using information to do it, we'll pay less attention to them. And all these are profound changes from the way newspapers, uh, the environment newspapers used to enjoy uh, when I began in the business 30 years ago. And do you find local, the, the people who work for you, the, the local journalists, are caught up in that? Do they have to defend their position or do people naturally think of them as different? 
We get some spillover effect. For instance, when someone calls me on the telephone, um, sometimes I know they're waiting for me to say something so they can identify me as a liberal or a conservative, of which I am neither. And I take great delight in not getting to that point. In general terms, the Daily Advertiser team and the other uh, people on my staff do good work. They want to be locally known. They want their brand to be themselves. They don't want to be called the media. They don't want to be affiliated with CNN or Fox News. So in general terms, if we do good explanatory, expository work on behalf of the community, we can fly under that, that cover of dissonance that happens on the national level. But sometimes we have to explain ourselves that we're not liberal, we're not conservative, just to get people to read our content. It's just the facts, ma'am. Yes. CV, you have a different business model for 337 Magazine than most print newspapers or magazines. It may turn out that yours is the model that predominates, actually, but we'll get to that possibility in a minute. The model is, the magazine is free. It's entirely paid for by advertisers. You don't rely on reader subscriptions at all. Normally with a product, we ask, what would make someone buy this? But how do you market a product that's free? Do you market it with the question, what will make someone pick this magazine up? Or do you come at it from another point of view? What would make someone not want to pick this magazine up? What is the marketing mindset of that freemium model? Um, In this day and age, who doesn't like something that's free? Right, and so it's really great to know that we um, are really focused on local business, and so they are very happy to give our product out with some of their products and services. We have some retailers that include it in with a purchase, and it goes home that way. Um, we currently work with quite a bit of um, restaurants, and so, or a, a better example would probably be uh, medical waiting areas where they just or have a higher readership you get maybe so instead of having a, a magazine that's you know decorated your house from seven years ago you can actually get current local exactly it is and we like to consider it a scrapbook and those are things that are timeless so they do last um, but at the same time that's always um, very forward-thinking and having current events that are happening in the magazine as well so how do you, both of you, how do you choose what goes in the newspaper? Does it start with, you know, we see the movies where a journalist comes and says, I want to investigate this. Or does it start with watching what's going on and the public are questioning it anyway? So I'd like to ask both of you that. Where do the stories start? I have the luxury of only highlighting the positive things in the community. And so it's actually difficult to select content because there's so much great things going on when we start talking about um, the arts culture here or music or festivals or food. I mean, we just live in such an amazing region. So that's definitely what makes it difficult. But it's the lesser, I guess, uh, there's never a negative side of it. And Flex, you don't have that luxury of only doing the positive things. So how do you find your stories? When newspapers were the only game in town, it was the age of the editor king. People like me, uh, or my spouse, or anybody in my uh, friendly circle could suggest stories and I would make them so. And that was what people read, and they read it because the newspaper was how they got their news. Nowadays, uh, we measure audience reaction to all content. We have sophisticated metric models and platforms and algorithms. Yeah, I've been in your office and there's a big screen and you can tell who clicks on which headline and how long they stay on it, and then you can change the headline and see if more people click on it. Studying those metrics every minute is why we drink. Having said that, 
Studying those metrics gives us a real clear view of what content audiences prefer. Now, that doesn't mean we will go to the level of cat videos if audiences prefer that, and they do, but it gives us a chance to uh, give audiences the content they want in the way that they want it, and so that's a good thing. Having said that, there still is a differentiating characteristic for newspapers, and that is reporting, investigative reporting, uh, covering institutions on behalf of individuals, without which they would have no purchase over those institutions. So we do investigative and explanatory work. We need to stay connected to audiences to remain open as a viable business, but if we did not have those metrics, we'd have a hard time really connecting to readers and their interests. And there's, it's a very long answer that you could have, but that's the long and the short of it. And is it tempting to ever just write for those algorithms rather than just doing quality work? Where's the balance there? The balance is that we want to work for the greater good. We want to give information to audiences that they can use to be more informed. We want to put out content that will help readers get involved and maybe help fellow residents in a town when we write about medical problems, so on and so forth. So we have a sweet spot where we know there needs to be a positive outcome that we try to measure. We don't try to just do things for the sake of doing things. Because it would all be cat videos, but you're looking for the cat be. that's actually helping society. Exactly. We're looking for the literate cat. But the, literate the, cat. The, the, the one quality of stories nowadays is that we need to make people care about the people in stories and then they will care about the content. When you think about why we like movies and books, we care about people, and therefore we care about their story. So we're trying to have stories with uh, people in it, with their passions revealed, their struggles revealed, their redemption revealed. That's, that's a good story for us. I'd interject, too, and say that um, I'm very fortunate to know a lot of his staff and have worked with them at some cool point. Actually. Yeah, they have a great team over there. And, and so when you start with... <laughs> When you start with quality journalism at the base and are able to add the different metrics in there, it just elevates things. So I don't even think you guys really uh, would ever come from a place of writing um, from a statistic standpoint because that's just not how your staff focuses to begin with. So I'll compliment them. And CV, you you're much. also, you ran for council and you're also on the planning and zoning committee here. Yes. And how... Do you see those as separate things or do you see the work you do with the magazine and the work you do in the community as all just the same thing? Um, I guess that's a yes and no. I am... That's my favorite answer. <laughs> I'm just so passionate about the area that we live in. I feel like we are so fortunate and we really have a gem here. And so while there is a lighter level of maybe what fashions are in season. Um, I also am very passionate about things that drive um, regional policy as well. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with C.B. Zeller from 337 Magazine and James Flaxenhaar from The Daily Advertiser. Flax, I have a question for you. You're obviously not from here and I know how that feels. The people who live here think Acadian is different. Is it? And what differences do you have to allow for your newspaper to work in this area? Well, I've learned a lot from the staff at my newspaper as to what the regional preferences and cultural touchstones are. So that helps me from New Jersey. You made it sound like I was from Pluto, but I'm from New Jersey. 
Uh, it's here and not from here. That, there's no other distinguishing things. Everyone's different, but I'm going to Shanghai your question. I'm glad that CV said what she said. CV represents, for instance, and, and there is a CV everywhere. Uh, a, a, a woman, CV. a woman who she's <laughs> unique, you. but she's everywhere. A woman who loves her community and loves her family and wants the proper outcome for it. So much so that she's running for office, which is a thankless job, and making decisions on behalf of our future. I think she was thanked a lot for that thankless job, just for running. Well, good. Uh, but that's we want to connect with audiences like CV and her family because that's what we can work on behalf of them. That's true in New Jersey. That's true in Louisiana. The other differences about Louisiana, just one is that we eat seven times a day here. We don't do that in New Jersey. <laughs> and I'm just trying to put the brakes on that so I can make it through to the next year. <laughs> we also enjoy naps okay, after let, eating. <laughs> let me ask a question that I'm sure you've been asked before. Is print dead? No. Are your magazines growing? Are your newspapers growing? Or are they declining here in Acadiana? I, I think print is stronger than ever. Print is trusted. Print is um, measurable. I think that I find print to be an art form and um, art is thriving here. I never pick up a copy of our magazine. I have the luxury to say that. I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. I think that even if you look on a national level with some of the bigger publications, New York, the Atlantic, those types of things, um, I believe that their subscription services have actually increased um, over the, the past year or two. And so those are indications that print is alive and stronger than ever. I think in my news world, the printed paper is in decline in terms of its distribution, but digital subscriptions to the same content, which is delivered on a digital platform, are actually uh, counterintuitively on a steep increase. It could have something to do with a new, renourished interest in national politics, but we are getting more subscribers that pay for our content And online. is that purely about the speed of delivery that we can get news now, and by the time it's printed, it's... My audience is available to me three or four times a day for three or four minutes at a time. They're picking up donuts, they're online to get their kids at the school, they're bowling. I have to reach them when I can reach them and be really efficient about it. So yes, I need them as digital customers and they, they've already chosen. Is your content online free or paid or a mixture of both? You can uh, see five articles a month without being confronted by a paywall and then we invite you to pay for it. We invite, that's very well put. We invite you to pay for it. <laughs> Do you, do you have online content, CV, as well, and is it? We do. We have online content. It is growing. Um, we really focused on the print publication, and now we are expanding that. We have, um, with the launch of the media company this year, that has really um, helped us there, and so I, that's something that I see continuing to grow as uh, the new platform Explain the difference between having a magazine and a media company. What's Sure. So um, in our print world, the the a lot of it is about branding and that's something I'm very passionate about and also public relations in general and so we're able now I guess we were always doing that but now it's so much more affordable um, to be able to say okay we have um, the print aspect that's available to you but there are certain companies that we were working with that it wasn't the best fit for what their goals were I'm very much about measurable objectives and so I don't I don't want to just sell somebody something that's not going to benefit them that's not the heart of who we are so we want to be able to say okay um, maybe 
uh, social media videos might be a better fit for you. Maybe in this, uh, we have uh, certain companies who they really just want to be able to do t-shirts and any graphic design and those elements. Other cu customers of ours who are not local that um, maybe originated here or they um, extend elsewhere are just looking for, th for writing in general or book editing. And so now we're able to offer those services under one umbrella versus just the print magazine. But I will say that that will always be um, the spine of where we're at because I'm just a writer at heart. So. Savian Flax, this is the part of the show that we call Another Great Idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got that great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for or that guy you should have coffee with or a great investment opportunity that you should jump on. You can take advice like this and it turns out to be a disaster or you can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have turned out really great. Or you can take your friend's advice and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had that great idea for you? Did you take their advice? How did it turn out? I don't, but I will. So my idea <laughs> Just comes say what from, you think, I will, my idea comes from a book called The Celestine Prophecy, which is a connection of New Age flapdoodle that I don't know why anyone read. What was but, that, sorry, what was that expression, flapdoodle? Yes, that's a copyrighted term. Please don't use it. I'll just pay you every time I say it, because I'm going to say it a lot now. But Tell I us read, about the flapdoodle. But I read the book, and it was, uh, there were some interesting elements in it, and it was fiction. And now, full disclosure, the, the end of the book is that we all elevate from our corporal selves into vibrations that can't be seen. Oh, no, you've However, ruined it for everybody now. Within that book, within that book, there is this advice. Behold your mother, and behold your father, and embrace in yourself their good qualities, and eliminate from yourselves the things that you know really were not useful. That's not from a friend. That's not about journalism. But I found that to be wonderful advice. I work on it every single day. Oh, I have to follow that. You do. <laughs> well, I was going to say it has nothing to do with vibrations, or <laughs> but uh, I we're just very simplistic, and I really have to compliment my business partner Jason Roy here because because he told you to or because <laughs> you actually know this <laughs> because um, this was a piece of advice that was given to me we I ran two other publications locally and I had uh, the great honor of working with many graphic designers in our region and so when we were planning 337 and deciding on launching I mean the graphic element of print is so important and so we were talking to a lot of graphic designers and there was one... As a one, designer, I agree with this point. Obviously. Yes, yes, and I will compliment you as well. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so we had... I was really um, wanting to work with a specific graphic designer and she was unavailable and she recommended someone to us. And I was like, oh, I mean, I guess we can meet with him, you know, and kind of begrudgingly going along that path and, and we met with him and he has since become my business partner and just a, um, a lifelong friend my children love him and he is amazing at what he does and we just kind of jokingly call him the Mr. Miyagi of, um, of graphic design but if had I not had taken her advice and set up the meeting then that the where we are today would never have been so so let's go back to the magazine because I'm fascinated. Who's your customer? Is it the reader or the advertiser? And Flex, I can ask you the same thing. Both. There's always multiple publics in any organization. Now that's the polite answer. That's the truth. <laughs> what's, what's, when, you, when you have to pick, who do you pick? Who do you have to please more? 
I always want to please the reader at the end of the day because if the reader is not picking, and I don't know if that's the right answer or not, but that's I don't the think truth. That's, the right that's, the, that's where I feel because if we're not targeting the right person and we have demographics like anyone else, and if we're not plugging into those right avenues, then the people who are spending their money don't get a return on that. We want to make sure that we are reaching the right people for the right people. So they're all equally important, and I would include my staff in that as well um, because we want to make sure that that they're feeling fulfilled within the print publication as well. It's true. We have to deliver audiences of consequence or engaged audiences that our, our partners or our sponsors or our advertisers can uh, connect with and profit from. And journalism is really nowadays the delivery of that which is needed to those who need it. So that could be for us a sports award banquet once a year, which is sp sponsored by wonderful organizations here and they and they reach family forward audiences like we were talking about or a teacher supply drive where we collect a, a, a classroom supplies for teachers that's not a story but sometimes we write stories as well so our sponsors and advertisers depending on the audience they want to reach will pick from those offerings our, our job is to have an endless supply of engaged audiences James, at one point in your career, as you worked your way up through all these jobs, you were a travel writer and you got paid to travel the world. I did. Why, why stop? Those jobs are pretty much a thing of the past insofar as the newspaper platform because advertising in, those, in that category has dried up. Travel magazines, travel blogs, uh, digital expressions of travel writing are alive and well, but not for newspapers. Do you draw on some of that experience in what you do now? Because you must have met so many different people from different cultures. And really, your job, both of your jobs, is not producing a newspaper, it's managing people. It probably helped because you really can't put anything between you and a potential source when you're trying to get information from them. So learning new cultures and trying to speak in other languages is probably helpful. I did so, that as well, the travel journalism, and I think that it really helped to understand how different regions operate and how that it affects us here, how we can have a comparative standard as well. So is there anything new going on in the print world? Where, what's going to happen in the next six months that we're not expecting, or what have your psychographics told you about the next thing? What do you know about your people that they want that they're not getting right now? Oh, look, they're both waiting to Looking hear the answer from the other one. one. <laughs> <laughs> There's always something new going on. We are constantly working on innovative new ways to bring our product and evolve our product. I do don't you have ever... examples? I do have examples. I don't know if I want to say them right now. We are constantly just working on... on um, new mediums but sometimes it might be something I'll give an example of maybe for a holiday issue we might work with a new material that they have out like a foiling technique or um, maybe it's a new that's more of in the production end of things but also um, for us it's um, being able to take what's going on with print and um, bring that into other mediums for our clients and our readers. And so we're looking at several new things that actually bring them together. So it takes what you're seeing in print, and if you really enjoyed it and want to see more, now we have these other platforms to expand and elaborate if the reader chooses to engage in those. I have two. Increasingly, the 109 newspaper sites within the USA Today network are combining on investigative projects. It was a Gannett site that uh, broke the news of the doctor who was abusing hundreds of Olympic gymnasts who was sent away to jail forever. 
our network has written about bad teachers and bad cops who are abusive in one state and get a job without any restriction in another. So look for a lot more of that coming from our, our Gannett sites. And the second one is fun. It's that we are a drone site now. We have a drone. Yes. We have three drone pilots. We have a drone trained on your head right now. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's true. So look for more drone, exclusive drone coverage from us in the months ahead. And often there's a story now with video coverage as well, and that makes it I mean, it's twice the work for you, but it enhances the story True. in both ways. True, but video coverage is, is now a given. It was a new thing two years ago, and now it's, you do video. Storytelling is video only sometimes. And when it comes down to it, it's all storytelling. Mm -hmm. Even the cats. Even the cats. <laughs> Flex has a problem with all the cats I on the internet. Like every cat on the internet right, has right, a problem right. Back in the 18th century, a British politician coined the term the fourth estate to describe the press, meaning even though it doesn't answer to voters, it has the power of a branch of government. That kind of uneasy, codependent relationship continues to this day, and the increased reach of all types of media, including social media, gives the press even more power. But with print media fighting for its own existence, the balance of power and the future of media might look quite different a few years from now. However this all shakes out, here in Acadiana, Flex and CV, you're the current record keepers of our history and culture and I'm sure that you'll both be part of our media future as well. Thank you both for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you our very pleasure. Much. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been CV Zella, publisher and editor of 337 Magazine and co-owner of 337 Media and James Flaxener, Vice President of News for the Gulf Coast for Gannett, Louisiana and Executive Editor of the Daily Advertiser part of the USA Today Network. You can find out more about CV magazines and Flax's newspapers by following the links on our websites krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morrill. Our researchers are Anne Christian and Ali Coates. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website itsacadiana.com and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and it's acadiana.com you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites it's acadiana.com and krvs.org out to lunch is a production of ino broadcasting for it's acadiana.com and krvs 88.7 fm i'm aileen bennett thanks for joining me today i look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business acadiana style on out to lunch out to lunch acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com.
and by Sheward and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.